Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, hockey, right down to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So what's the call to action today? Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and uh, taking the time to listen in. For this week's episode, we have very two very special guests. We have Tip Nunn, uh, who is the longtime personal publicist for sports icon and activist athlete Billie Jean King, and uh, has uh, Tip has a wonderful history in working in all kinds of sports, and has even had opportunities to work with uh, Pope John Paul II and uh, former President Bill Clinton. So terrific history. He was able to join us uh, along with Darren Feeney is in his eighth season with the San Diego Padres, and he currently serves as director of media relations. So he's the guy behind the scenes that's uh, helping out with the press conferences and getting uh, manager Bob Melvin and other folks ready for the games and uh, for the press conferences that do occur for the front office and, um, and for the manager, but uh, both terrific individuals uh, with, wonderful backgrounds in public relations, media relations, and publicity. Uh, this is a part of the California uh, State Long Beach uh, Graduate Sport Management. Um, we had them come in as uh, guest speakers, and uh, so thankfully they were able to participate. Um, but uh, again, sit back and enjoy. This is uh, episode uh, 19 of season five. So thanks again, and uh, hope you enjoy. So uh, we have uh, two wonderful um, uh, guest speakers with us today. And uh, so I'll start off with Tip Nunn. And uh, so a little bit of his background. And then Tip, I'm going to ask you to kind of give a little bit more. And then I'll do the same thing with you, Darren. But so Tip has 40 years of marketing, publicity, and event experience. Longtime personal publicist for sports icon and uh, activist athlete, Billie Jean King. For more than 20 years. He has owned and operated the boutique sports marketing firm, Tip Nunn's Events, representing global brands, activating programs in sports space, including Philip Morris, um, Corona, and IMG. He has worked in tennis, motorsports, Olympic sports, music tours, and in 1993 oversaw media operations for the World Youth Day events with Pope John Paul II and President Bill Clinton. So uh, very impressive background. So Tip, thanks for joining us today. Then we have Darren Feeney, who is with the San Diego Padres. Uh, he's in his eighth season with the Padres, uh, and this is his second as the director of media relations. He joined the Padres in February 2016 after four seasons in the NBA uh, with the Miami, Miami Heat organization, uh, including three seasons as the Heat's sports media relations intern and one season as the sports media relations director for their G League affiliate in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I bet you got some stories about Sioux Falls, Darren. Um, so, and then uh, we got prior to uh, the NBA, he got to start with public relations and communications uh, with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, he also used to work for the Padres. Uh, he's a native of Eureka, California. Um, and he graduated from uh, USD, University of San Diego, with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication Study before he got his master's in sport management from the University of San Francisco. So, uh, Tip and Darren, welcome, and 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 thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. I was glad to be here. Awesome. 
So tip, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, I think career paths are so important, right. In terms of figuring out how you get to a place and, and oftentimes there's not one way to do it. It's sort of, uh, and you maybe plan something and it ends somewhere else, but maybe, and it's the same question to you, Darren, when we get to you, but tip, uh, maybe briefly outline your career path. Um, we talked about, you know, your current position, you know, owning your own company, but, uh, maybe focus a little on entrepreneurship and sort of how you, you got to where you're at today. I mean, for me, and I'm for so many of my friends in the business as well, it's who you know and where you are. And and I think for all of you, as you look for that first gig after you leave school and, and move on, someone you know is going to help you somewhere. Um, you know, so that Billy, I, I mean, I've been with Billy Jean King in one form or another for 30 years. And it was a pure happenstance thing. Um, the first time we worked together, Steffi Graf stiffed me on a media day and Billy was the replacement. Um, I think Steffi Graf every day when I get up, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And we laugh about it all the time. And, I, you know, we still see each other at the open and everything. And I like take her to dinner and I'm like, hey, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. But it's, a, it's an interesting business in that it's such a small world um and i think i refer to it a lot of times as the circus you know especially when you've had the path i've had i did a lot of music corporate music tours i did a lot of corporate sporting events and and i chose the corporate route very selfishly um because i like money um the corporate route is where you make your bank um, I am not one of those publicists who cares about being seen or being heard. Um, I'm, I think we belong in the woodwork. That's very old school, I realize now, but, uh, you know, that's what that's what's worked for me. But I think so much of my career and, and like we started an industry. In 90, if you go back to 1984 to the L.A. Olympics, the Olympics never made money until you brought figured out a model for 84. And it spawned an industry um, of sports marketing people. I started an agency in 1985, pure luck. I mean, absolutely pure luck. I had a company come to me and say, we're going to split the country into four quadrants. We'll give you every piece of business we have between California and Chicago. And I started to say, well, let me think about it. And my wife, before I could finish, said, we're in. <laughs> and it's the best thing that ever happened to us. So, and that client was Philip Morris. And those were the heydays of Philip Morris sponsoring everything before they got legislated out of sponsorship. And then my career path kind of moved from, <laughs> my friends call it the vice trail, but I moved from tobacco to spirits um, to what I call the vice of, of the current generation. And that's pharma, because that's where the money was. Yeah. Um, so that I chose money over mission, if you will, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, here I sit today, I'm not complaining. And now well, I'm in the twilight of my career and having the time of my life working with one person who is going to be 80 years old this year, but thinks she's 17 and it's the greatest ride ever. <laughs> Tip, I love that. And, you know, to your point about making money, there's nothing wrong with that, especially as an entrepreneur, right? You you have to go after those clients, really. Everybody's got to eat. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I remember, too, like NASCAR back in the day was, you know, sponsored by cigarette and beer. I mean, it was just it was it was like that. That's what you thought of when you saw those things. You know, it's changed for sure. Yeah. So thanks for that tip. Appreciate um, it. So uh, let's go to you, Darren. So same question. Um, you know, your pathway has been, you know, one that's taken you through a few, few different sports organizations. Um, but sort of talk a little bit about your pathway and, you know, you're happy now where you're at. And 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 don't worry, we won't tell the Padres, but <laughs> um, just, yeah, maybe give us a little bit about, about that. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more uh, than with, with Tip. I mean, that's probably a central theme that we'll do throughout this discussion. But like sports is so much a, a who you know industry, not 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 what you know. I mean, it's truly all about the connections that you make along the way. 
Um, but, but for me, I mean, I, you know, had to do the same thing that this group's doing. And I had, I had to go to grad school. I, I had to invest in myself because I mean, it was just, you know, I didn't have the connections. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but it was through, um, you know, my, my, my graduate school at the university of San Francisco, where when, once you were, you know, a part of the program, then when you started applying for jobs, it, you know, you really just started getting taken more seriously as a master's candidate. And I think that kind of separated me when I first applied for the chargers, it was like, you know, Hey, this kid's invested in himself. Granted, it, it was like, it was during the lockout. And so a full three months go by between my interview before I finally hear back. And I, I, I'd already checked it off the list. I'm like, you know, a thousand people apply, like who knows? And then I was only guaranteed training camp at the time and then training camp turned into the season. And then I was so fortunate, you know, but I'll back up just a, a little bit. Like I, I thought, you know, I'm going to crush this internship, whatever, what, whatever I do is going to turn into a full-time job. I found out in week three that there was an end date on my internship, <laughs> like the, 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 the day I started. So, but, um, you know, so then I was fortunate that the Chargers called across town to the Padres and I had lunch with the PR director at the time. And then that that turned into a full season internship with the with the Padres and then similar resume to every single NBA team. Just in you know, NBA was up next and um, heard back from about half the teams and like, you know, 14 of those of, of those 15 were saying, sorry, we've already you know filled our internship or we're not having an, a sports media intern this year. And the Miami Heat were the ones that actually got right back to me and said, yeah, we're going to have somebody, you know, start like probably 20 games into the season, reach back out, you know a few like right around opening night reach back out and we'll see what happens and then sure enough it ended up working out that way and so um three amazing seasons there um two of those three are with the big three era um with lebron james chris bosh and Dwayne wade i got on board for their their second championship so um that was just you know we'll, we'll get into more of that what, what that looked like but um then uh you know as things go, you know, you have to take chances in order to move up. And so, you know, the four guys that were at the, at the Miami heat, the, the four full-time guys above me are still there. And so like the, the, there was just nowhere for me to go. And so they, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pushed me up towards Sioux Falls and guided me up there. And for me, I, I saw it as an opportunity to stay in the heat family, you know, at that point, willing to go anywhere, um, just kind of chasing the NBA PR dream at that point. But then um, the the first full time job that opened at the Padres after after I had left in, in four or five years, um, you know, they posted it and I applied and then just, you know, drove down from Sioux Falls down to Arizona in, in February 2016 and, um, you know, steadily have kind of risen up the ranks here since. I love that. You know, it's like you've had um, such a, a great career so far. And it's so it's so interesting because, as Tip mentioned, you know, is he sort of towards the, uh, as you said, the twilight, you know, of his career. Uh, and then, you know, Darren, I imagine you're, you're about what, 10 years in or so now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got the charge internship in Feb and, uh, sorry, and, and for the 20, 2011 season. So 12, 13 years. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. So I want to go back to, uh, I'm going to stick with you, Darren, and I'm going to come back to you tip for the same question, but this idea of sort of what are you doing in your current role? Um, you know, like maybe practicalities of, mm -hmm. you know, is it writing press releases? Is it, um, is it talking to the press? Is it, uh, sort of putting together, you know, digital packages for sponsors? Is it, um, you know, promoting the team in the media, maybe talk a little bit about, um, or a client, maybe talk about maybe some of the specifics of your work. Definitely. So the way we're structured at the Padres with our, uh, communication staff is it's business and baseball. And so we have a vice president of communications. Then we have two directors on the business and the baseball side, and then, um, two, two people below us as well as a seasonal assistant. So, um, I oversee our baseball communications. And so what that generally entails is facilitating, you know, all players, staff, um, coaches, general manager, ownership, um, all, all those interviews for TV, radio, and print. And so any, any kind of media you see out there um, that should be, it's not always the case, but generally it, it, it goes through our staff. Like we're, we're, we're the ones that facilitate that. Um, but like you said, tons of press releases on transactions. The thing that Peco Park's turned into, which is what our business, the business side of our staff does is Pe Peco Park has just turned into way, way more than a ballpark. You know, Deaton could probably speak to that with, with, with the Rose Bowl, you know, I mean, it's just the amount of concerts we have there now is just, you know, every seemingly every night especially when the team's on the road like there's something going on at peco park maybe it's a private event maybe it's an elton john concert it's just like Pe peco has just turned into just an, an, an amazing place 
And um, now on, on the baseball side of the communications, it's a daily game notes packet we put out with stats and notes and trends that the writers and the broadcasters use. Um, but now my role has kind of shifted into strategic and like or organizational messaging. And so um, whether that be talking points for for the front office and um, kind of my my main role now is um, from like the from a day to day standpoint is uh, our, our manager, Bob Melvin. Um, he talks to the media like that. That that's the thing that like people on the outside might not realize is starting in spring training. The manager does like a minimum two media availabilities a day. So it's like, you know too many press conferences every single day. And so I, I, I sit down and talk with him every day and go over, you know, just storylines, like questions that he might get asked, like status of the team, injuries, just remind him of, hey, you might get hit on this. Like, how, how's this guy doing? So um, that that's kind of how my roles evolved. And then, of course, the probably the, the best part of the job is traveling with the team, um, you know, going city to city and just kind of being a part of the team. You know, I think we all probably at one point in our in our careers wanted to be professional athletes. But, you know, especially with me, my 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 skill set only got me so far. But, um, you know, traveling with the team, staying at hotels that I would never stay at on my own. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's probably the biggest the biggest perk of the job. But, um, yeah, that's probably just a brief overview of my my day to day. I love that. Hey, you got to you got to take advantage of the organizational opportunities, you know, no doubt. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, man, with your background and personality, you could definitely. And then, of course, with tips background, working with it with uh, with American presidents. I mean, I don't know, man, you might be in the White House pretty soon. doing Some press conferences. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll yeah. see. So so tip, let's go back to you. You have such an interesting background and career, you know, like Darren does and this whole thing of, you know, like what is a publicist and sort of what, what is your role? You know, what, what kind of work are you doing or have you been doing? I tell you, a, a publicist today is not what it was, <laughs> you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you know, 30 years ago, you were the press release guy. You were the speech writer. Um, you were coordinating the interviews and that kind of thing. And that stuff is still there. Um, it's just now been layered on with 25 other things. Um, because you're the keeper of the image. And especially in our situation with Billy, um, at Billy Jean King Enterprises, we have a team of people and every single day we work on her legacy. You guys are sitting somewhere near Long Beach. There is a reason that the main library is now called the Billy Jean King Main Library. It wasn't because some librarian said, hey, let's name it after somebody from Long Beach. Um, it was part of a master plan. And for us, the master plan really started in 2006 with the renaming of the National Tennis Center where the U.S. Opens played in Billy's honor. Um, and then it evolved from there to include the library, to include the what is now the World Cup of Women's Tennis, the Billie Jean King Cup. I mean, we, we have been on a legacy play for years. And we've been able to do that um, because Billy's business and life partner, Alana Kloss, is the mind behind all of that. Um, and she leads the charge for us. You know, much like Darren was talking about with, you know, their structure set up. Um, we're a very small, bare bones organization. We bring in a lot of people around us, um, but the inner circle is very small. And so our day is filled with um, doing deals, first of all, and then it's activating those deals beyond it. You know, so sometimes I'm involved early on. Sometimes I get handed off the project to activate it. If, you know, if somebody says, hey, so-and-so is doing a commercial uh, you got to make it happen, you know, so, and, and that's the easy part because somebody else's money, you know, you can, and, and staff and that kind of thing. And my job is to deliver the King and get her there and make it work and get it right. But I think so much of what we do now um, hasn't changed from the old days. It's just more of it. But the most important thing I, I, I think that Darren was just talking about is the communication and the prep. Um, it's something we do every hour of every day. And I would venture to say you're probably in the same boat um, in some form or another. I mean, I write something for Billy every single day. 
um, and she's very hands-on. So it's not like I'm writing something for her and and sending it out or or whatever. I mean, I we run through it just like Darren's talking about running through with his manager, just kind of staying on top of things. Um, I, I will say this, and, and I throw this out there just as a general fact. One of the things that blows me away is the number of people coming out of programs just like this who can't write. Um, it drives me bonkers, to be quite you know honest. And, and it's, it's one of those things I've always felt that if I were running curriculum on a program like this, there'd be a news writing mandate that somebody's got to go take a couple news writing classes. You don't have to be a great writer. You just got to be an effective writer. And I, I'm, it's a differentiator for me, for, you know, for people I want to, if I want to work with them or things like that, because I want to be able to trust that I can throw a project that way and it'll come back and all I've got to do is massage it. Darren's living that on a daily, hourly basis, more than likely. Um, I get to pick and choose. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's one thing that like drives me bonkers. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, Darren, but that. Yeah. D Darren, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, obviously the communication piece is so important, right? You mentioned it about skill sets and communication and writing and, and um, you know, all sort of as a, as a, as a sort of as an aside and as a joke, um, one of the main complaints against uh, lawyers in the state of California, uh, I think it's the number one complaint is lack of communication. <laughs> and I always, I always laugh at that because I'm like, well, law school is about communicating, right? And graduate school is about communicating. It's about how to read, write, and comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, so I agree. But Darren, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you're writing all the time, but are there any other skill sets that you think that um, have sort of helped you during your career or uh, anything that was developed during school or something maybe it was more refined after? And I'll go back to you with the same question, Tip. Yeah, no, I mean, like writing, I mean, just like everything we put out, like, I mean, our our whole staff looks at it. I look at all the business press releases and the other half of our department looks at all the all the baseball press releases. And so, I mean, said attention to detail is just everything in, in, in what we do, like everything we put out, like it has to be right. It has to be correct. I mean, other thing about baseball is every day is game day. And so if you make make a mistake on like a stat or something, if you have it wrong, I mean, like you do get the opportunity to like come back the next day and like make up for it. But like, you know, it's just like, you, you, you don't want to be the one make, making those mistakes. It's, you know, that's just like, you know, that's about as worst, <laughs> worst case scenario, but um, with, with, with other skill sets, I mean, I've always relied on like, you know, and I definitely, it got refined during grad school for sure, just with, you know, courses, but before and after, you know, gr grad school, like uh, just in, interpersonal communication and just like, you know, re relationship building, like that's just like, Kind of always been the backbone of my skill set. I mean, I I want to have every single person from you know our seasonal assistant up to Manny Machado. Like I I, I need to have these people like be be able to re rely on me and be and be trustworthy. And so you know, there's tons of like on a day to day basis, whether it be just like a a roster move where a guy gets optioned to AAA El Paso. Like we're we're, we're getting that information you know, in, in the morning before it gets announced in the afternoon. And it's just confidential information. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's the player's livelihood, you know, like who, who knows if the players are ever going to make it back to the big leagues have, have, have they told their wife yet? You know, just all, all, all these things that come into play. It's just, you know, it's something I, I always fall back on is just like being, you know, we're relied upon with confidential information and just, you know, always fall back on the relationships that I've established. Yeah. No, and you mentioned something there too, like this idea of trust, right? Um, this idea of uh, sort of trusting not only, so for example, if you're working with Bob Melvin, he wants to make sure that the ideas and the comments you're giving him, you know, are going to, you know, either make the franchise look good or make him look good, or at least just, you know, keep with the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. And not give away too much. And that's a tough position when you bring asked questions and um, and being questioned by fans in the media. So I appreciate you mentioning that and building that relationship is so important. So tip, would you, I mean, I know we talked to this about a little bit, but what other skill sets do you think um, are important? You know, obviously the writing is essential uh, for every part of life um, and, and really in communication in general, but anything else that comes to mind for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, especially in the sports business, you got to love what you do. Um, it, we're not going to get rich here. 
we, we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do okay as an industry, but there is a value to me that at my advanced stage, I still love getting up and getting on a plane and going to do a gig. I absolutely love it. And part of that is because of the people I'm around. Part of that is I just love it. The, the other thing that I think is so critical, and, and I hear Darren talking about it, and I can just see it happening in his shop, is you got to know the business you're in. This is not something you can fake. If you want to fake something, go work in a bank. Because <laughs> there's plenty of ways to fake that. But if, you, if you're going to be in sports, you're not going to get respect from the athlete. You're not going to get respect from management if you don't know your stuff. And my, my favorite thing when, when I, I talk to especially the people, the, more, the undergrads more than, than you guys, but is, you know, if someone ever says to me, I love working with people. I'm like, well, then flip a burger, baby. It's over. Um, you know, it's one of those things. This is a business. I mean, you you get a sports is an emotional buy if you're buying it from a corporate side. I don't care what anyone says. You can have all the metrics in the world. You are never going to get your money back. But it is the right fit. It is the right feel. I mean, I think you know your business. I mean, Darren wouldn't be where he is if he didn't know baseball. And he wouldn't be where he is if he probably didn't love pro sports as much as he does. We're all geeks about it. I mean, at the end of the day, and, and it's like me going to a tennis tournament. I can't applaud for anyone. I absolutely love watching tennis. It's one of the rare sports that I love and I don't just like cry to myself to sleep over like I do with hockey um you know so it's it's it is an emotional thing but it is a you got to know your stuff and you got to love it yeah I, I don't know maybe that makes sense maybe it doesn't yeah no tip that honestly that makes it makes a lot of sense because like even cro across industries and Darren I'll, I'm going to come to come to you with that same sort of question but you know, it's like when people would ask me, they would say, Hey, I want to be a sports agent, or I want to be working sports PR, or I want to work in sports marketing. And, and, you know, number one sort of answer you get is, Oh, I love sports. Right. But it has to be more than that because yeah. it has to be uh, a knowledge of sports. It has to be uh, a passion for it in a sense of passion that, that leads to, you know, some sort of knowledge, like you were saying. So I think that's so important and it can't be too broad where, um, you're involved in everything. It's got to be somewhat, you know, niche or somewhat focused because you can't be everything to everybody. So Darren, is that kind of your experience too? You know, in that sort of this idea of loving the game um, and knowing and knowing about it. And, and in many ways, they're really two different things. You can love the game, but maybe not know a ton about it. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, like it, it'd be a challenge for me to go work in hockey right now. Cause like, I, I just don't, I don't know the game very well. Like, I mean, I respect it. It's one of my favorite sports to watch whenever I go in person. Um, but like, you know, like icing and like all these other rules and everything. Like, I mean, like I, I'm kind of like, I only have so much, I guess, bandwidth to where it's like, for me, it's like NBA, NFL and MLB. Like those are the three that I kind of put, put my hat on and just, I'm, I'm as knowledgeable about those as I can be. But um, I remember a few things from my first class and I'll probably get into this guy a, a little bit, but my, my first um, professor and he was our internship coordinator. And like, I th think it was the first thing. And like, I, I legitimately still have this binder with me in my, in, in my desk and every once in a while I'll just sit. Oh, yeah, Morning in progress. Um, and it, it was just like, you know, he's like, all right, put fan on one side and put professional on the other and draw a line down the middle. And he's like, and you, you, you have to be you, either you're a fan. If you want to work in sports, either you're a fan or you're a professional. And so, I mean, you, you definitely, if you're a professional, which, you know, like all, all of us, you know, are and want to be, but like, you can still be a fan of the team. Like I grew up in Northern California, but my parents are from San Diego. So I was always a Chargers and Padres fan, but, um, so to be able to work in those, you know, have those be my first two stops was, it was pretty incredible, but like, you definitely have to put your fandom aside and be a professional. So it's not easy. And like, I mean, same, same kind of thing as tip. I mean, like in, in the press box, I mean, if, 
if it's somebody's first time in the press box and they're clapping, I mean, you, you have to be neutral in there. And like, it's, it's our job to go in there and be like, Hey, you know, sorry, but like, that's kind of the main thing in here is just like, we, we have to watch the game and watch the game respectfully. Cause the, 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 the last thing you want is just to look like a fan in there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, cause you, cause it has to get, it has to be more than that. The knowledge has to be more than, you know, like, like tip and uh, you were both saying it has to be more than just a, um, you know, a, a passion or a love for watching it or, you know, enjoying it or having favorite players. Cause you're right. Once you cross over, you know, that line uh, and you get into a front office or you're working um, that fandom in some ways has to end. Um, I'm thinking of the movie um, field of dreams. Right. And you, I don't know if it's anybody, obviously I know you've seen that movie, Darren, have you seen it tip, but I was always fascinated when, um, when there's the scene where the ball player has to Burt Lancaster basically has to cross over the, the, the foul line to, to take the case, you know, to, to, to save the kid or whatever. And then of course he immediately turns into an, an old man and as a doctor, but he had to like, basically not that you become an old man and become a doctor to get into sports. But I think the point is, is that once you cross that line, you know, I think it's different. So um, so tip, let's go to you with this next one. What experiences do you think, uh, helped you break into the industry, uh, and get into, you know, publicity and PR, uh, you know, obviously we talked about the skill sets, communications, we talked about relationships and who, you know, but is there anything else that kind of helped you break into the industry or, you know, anything you can share with us? Yeah. I'm going to steal a line from Billy. <laughs> I mean, she'll tell you make your weaknesses adequate and practice your strengths. Um, and, and I was a good writer. I mean, I had a, had a journalism background, but I also knew at a very early age with some help from my wife that uh, journalists didn't make any money. And, you know, so I made a decision early on, I was going to take the marketing route and then it, it worked out well, but the writing helped. Um, the, my biggest flaw, and, and I think it's a huge flaw, I, I changed it with my son a lot, is I only speak one language. And I think in today's world, that's a handicap. Um, and and if, if you've got a little bit of another language, it puts you way above everybody else. I wish I had that skill. Um, you know, especially as much global work as we do. I know enough of a few languages to be dangerous, um, but my son is probably just a hair older than many of you, and he speaks five languages. It's also how he got his first job. You know, he went to work for the men's tennis tour with a connection from his family, and but he got the job because he could speak five languages. And wow. that's easy. You know, I, 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 parallel that with my writing. Writing's easy for me. Languages are easy for him. Um, you find that thing that you're good at and you exploit the hell out of it. You know, yeah. that's what's going to help you. You know, yeah. it's different for each one of us. Yeah. I love that tip because I think oftentimes when you get advice um, from folks, but that that advice makes so much sense to me. But, you know, somebody will say, hey, you know, work on work on the things that you're bad at and get better at the things that you're bad at. But the reality of it is, is it's finding the things that you're good at getting great at them. And then, like you said, minimize the bad things and just try not to make too many mistakes with that. So I love that. Um, all right. So, uh, Darren, same, same question to you, this sort of idea, did anything help you break into the industry? We talked about communication. We talked about, um, you know, relationships, Tip talked about this idea of, you know, maximizing your strengths and minimizing, you know, the things that maybe you're not so great at, uh, anything that you can share, uh, from your perspective. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, first off, I would like every off season, I tell myself I'm going to get better at Spanish and like, that would just be such a great yeah. skill set for me, especially with the heavy Latin presence we have in our clubhouse, just being, being able to be more conversational with these guys. Um, and in Miami, like I was around it more. And so like I, you know, was average at best at speaking it and I could kind of understand it a little more. But um, that, that that's something like I'm still, you know, like none, none of us are ever finished products. And so like that's something that I like, you know, still could like, you know, tomorrow I could pick it up and like, you know, try to and, and enhance my skill set with that. But um, 
for me, it's always been like, I, I learned early on. It's like, you know, hey, getting my foot in the door is great and everything. But like once the, your foot is in the door, like how, how can I maximize my opportunity? Yeah. And like, how, how can I take this to the next level? And so at the Chargers, it was like I figured out, especially once I realized there was an end date on my internship. It was uh, it was like, hey, like what, what what else can I do here before my time's up? And it was like, oh, I can volunteer for the Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowl PR committee. Perfect. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go do that. And then when I got the Padres internship, I realized I could go drive drive myself up to Dodger Stadium and and shadow my boss, see how we do our media operations on the road. Like that that was a no brainer. And then at the Heat, for example, like you know, I, after meeting some people, it was like, hey, I can go um, volunteer for NBA All Star Weekend. So like just getting the foot in the door, like it can be like the hardest step, but like it's definitely not the biggest step in the grand scheme of things. When you when you look back at your career, like getting your foot in the door will be like the, the main thing. But if you actually to evolve and, you know, get, get better and ultimately move up, it's, it's, it's all about maximizing your opportunity once you have the, have the gig. Yeah. Hey, can I add, hey, Jeremy, can I add yeah, something? Please tip. Yeah, go ahead. Because, yeah. Because Darren just said something really, really powerful. In, in my mind, there's not a lot worth more than hands-on experience. So if you take what, what are there, they're now 38, we lost two people. They're now 38 people on this call. Assume you all have the same degree, you're all applying for the same gig. But if six or eight of you have the kind of hands-on experience that Darren just talked about doing, and it doesn't have to be long-term, but if you've got that, all of a sudden you're like moving up the chart. I mean, I mean, you look at it, look at it like an athlete looks at things uh, in, in sports. I mean, the depth chart exists in the hiring process as much as it exists in putting together your roster. You know, so that kind of thing, whatever it is, and it can be anything. It's just the fact that you've been exposed to things in sports that maybe others haven't when you put put your whole um, ensemble together. Think of it, I think of it like a band, you know, to a certain extent. There are different phases in your life you're going to go through um, where you you all of a sudden add a new trick to it. And pretty soon you're in the center ring. Yeah. I love that tip. And I, I, I to, to your and Darren's points, often when I talk to folks and they ask for advice or even just for myself as I'm trying to motivate myself, it's, you know, experiences are, are opportunities to learn from something and grow from it. And in many ways, you'd almost rather not be, uh, learn that you don't like something uh, from an experience so you can grow from it and learn from it and use it in your next job and uh, or opportunity. And oftentimes when you're learning something, you don't even know that you've learned it until you get into a situation and you have to make a decision. And you're like, oh, I experienced, you know, X, Y, Z, and that helped me get to this point. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so I'm going to stick with you tip on this next one, and then we'll go to you, Darren. What is one thing that maybe surprised you about your role, uh, and maybe, uh, your experience in the last, uh, you know, 30, 40 years? Personally? Yeah. Personally, okay. or professionally. Yeah. Um, I undervalued myself. I think it's so easy. To, you want something so bad, um, especially when we started our own company, um, you know, I, I was I was so scared that I wasn't going to be able to build a business that I, I took gigs that I shouldn't have. I, I worked for fees that I would laugh at today, um, but I undervalued my value with others. And it took me a while to get over that. And I ended up selling the agency um, because I, I, I wanted something more. I was never going to get to work on Olympics unless I was with a bigger firm. You just didn't hire small firms to handle your Olympic account. That was on my bucket list. And I think bucket lists are really cool, especially in the sports business, because there's plenty of opportunities to do it. It, it doesn't matter to me whether it is I want to work the Kentucky Derby. I actually said that once. Then I did it and I realized, well, okay, that's over. Um, but I kept that bucket list going and I still have it today. There are a few things on my list I'd like to tick off. 
And it's, I, I think you have to keep growing. You know, it, the minute you think you know all this stuff, that's when you should go to the bank and just check out, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, it, you never, I mean, you got to keep learning something every day. Otherwise, it's no fun. And for me, fun is still number one on the hit parade. Um, and I and I like that. I mean, I, it's it's what keeps me going. So, but I, I mean, for that. me, undervaluing don't don't undervalue your skill set is is what I'm really trying to tell you. Because yeah. to somebody out there, it's worth a lot more than you think it is. Yeah, good point. Good point, um, Darren. Same same question to you. Anything that surprised you uh, in your career so far? Yeah, I'd say. Um probably just how different media coverage is when you have a winning team. It's just like, that's just kind of been like, I've been, you know, fortunate and I, and I guess somewhat unfortunate, but I mean, it's definitely been helped me get a little more well-rounded, but um, like the, for example, the 2016, the 19 Padres compared to the 2020, the 2023 Padres. I mean, it's just a different world for us now. I mean, and then I can even take it back to like before that with, with Miami. So when I got out there, I got out there, like I said, 20 games into the 2012-2013 season, and we won the first game, lost the second, and then we won 27 in a row. And so that that's still the, the second longest winning streak in NBA history. Sports Center set up shop, ESPN, all the national basketball writers, like, and then that that went all the way through like the first two years there, and through through the finals when we beat the Spurs, and the next year we lost to the Spurs, and then LeBron left that my my, my third year there. And uh, and that was my last year with, with the Heat before going to Sioux Falls. But I mean, just seeing like the stark contrast that someone like LeBron, like just I mean, just the media coverage that he he commands. I mean, it was just, you know, but I mean, credit to the Heat. I mean, they're still like perennial contenders every single year because of Pat Riley and and uh, Eric Spolstra and that whole the, the whole Heat basketball operations group. I mean, they still find ways every single year to get it done. But um you know, and then for me going going up to Sioux Falls and then like having like G, G, doing G League media, I mean, going from <laughs> going from the NBA finals to the G League. I mean, you know, it, it, it took a lot of, you know, humility. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> humility and just, you know, having the eye on the prize. Um, I mean, but the and the Sky Force ended up actually the Sioux Falls Sky Force team I was working for actually ended up winning it that year, too. So, um but even then, the media coverage wasn't even close to what it was with the with the Heat, and then, like I said, the 2016 to 19 Padres. So then, then now fast and fast forward to having the team we have now with like Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Juan Soto. It's just like spring training this year. Every single day, we had either one to two, usually more, like big time national baseball writers out there. All of our stars were in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, it's just. And then now, fast forward to. To, to this season i mean we have a big series this week and starting against the dodgers and l l looking at our credential list i mean every, everybody's going to be here <laughs> we're, we're we're on sunday night baseball so um that that's just been the biggest thing for me is just seeing both sides of what what it's like to do you know the media relations for a team that's you know not not competitive at that point in time versus you know like a team like last year going to the nlcs and it ultimately falling short to the phillies but yeah yeah, in many ways, Darren, it's kind of funny because like it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because on one hand, if the team's not doing great, you're going to deal with the press and they're going to ask questions about ownership and decisions in the front office and money. But then when the team is really good, then it's like, okay, well, are you going to win the World Series? You know, and <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I love that. But I got to tell you, I mean, I, I think your experience has been invaluable in that. You've got to see it from both sides, though, right? You've got to see it from when the, the team is not doing great to when it's doing uh, really well. And then also from going from the G League to the NBA, like it's or vice versa. It's um, I think those experiences are invaluable. So I'm going to ask three more questions and then um, uh, we'll sort of put an end to it. But I think where I think where I want to go from here is this idea of. um. Uh, mentors, sort of looking at mentorship. Uh, have you had any mentors in your career? I'll, st I'll stick with you, Darren, and then go back to you, Tip. Uh, any any mentors you've had that have helped you sort of, uh, you know, kind of break into anything? Uh, and then maybe also discuss a little bit about relationship skills and how important it is to build relationships. Most definitely. Um, 
So at, at University of San Francisco, my I referenced him earlier, our, my, the first professor we had who also ultimately uh, oversaw our internship program. I mean, I'll never forget the second class because on the first class, he said, hey, like I have office hours, you know, an hour before class. Um, my door is always open. And he started off that second class by saying, you, you know how many people came to my office hours today? Zero. And it was just, and he, he laid into us for a couple of minutes. It was like, you know, hey, I'm here for you. You guys are the ones spending money in this program. If you guys want to coast through, go ahead, go ahead, you know. But even when this program is done, like, you know, I'm going to be here for you guys. And um, not, not a lot of people took him serious. And so every single step I made along the way, like he, he, he was my first call before ma ma making a decision. I mean, from Miami or from San Diego to Miami, Miami to Sioux Falls, and then back down to San Diego, it was just, I talked through the pros and cons with this guy. So the, the amount of hours I spent on the phone with him from 2011 to 2016, I mean, I couldn't even come close to adding it up. So he, he, he's been huge for me. Um, you know, on the other side of being a mentor, like, I mean, I, I haven't quite gotten to that extent yet, but I mean, I, I, I do these panels here and there. I've, I've taught an elective at University of San Diego. And so I've kept in touch with students here and there, um, you know, definitely at our with our current staff, like trying to groom the, the people below us, um, trying to be, be a mentor for them so they can ultimately, you know, get get to the director level. That That's also a big part of it. But um, yeah, like with with relationship skills, I mean, um just kind of going back to the last question, I mean, you, you you always want to be like the same person every day. Like, I mean, I think that's kind of like the, the sign of a good PR person is being even keeled. Like, I mean, I, I I don't want the players to like, you know, like after a loss, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to act like it's a funeral in there. You know, I mean, every day is game day, you know, like we, 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 that's the beauty of baseball is we have the, we have a chance to go out and compete again the next day. And so like, I mean, as small of a role as that plays in the team's success, whether it be a player being like, oh, like, you know, why, why is that staffer acting kind of down? You know, I mean, it's a very, very small thing. But if like if you add up all these game days and stuff and if, you know, like you, you just never want people to know exactly how you're feeling, like not wearing your emotions on your sleeve. And just like if a media member is asking a question, you know, that's like. Uh, we almost got through the press conference with, with, without this person asking this and stuff, but just being stoic and just not being like, you know, just kind of being un, unreadable. And like that, that, that definitely like rubs off on the people that are actually doing the interviews, whether it be our GM or the manager or a player and stuff. So I think that's a big part of relationship building as well. I love that. Again, that trust piece, right? That trust and consistency is so important. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Darren. And then tip to you, same question, talking a little about relationships and uh, mentorship. I, I think what Darren just said is so powerful that um, be you. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be you, but you also have to check your emotions at the door and your ego at the door every day when you go to work. I mean, especially you know, if any of you end up on the side where you're working with individual athletes or you go the entertainment route, and I know Jeremy's done some of that, um, your ego has to go because they are the star. <laughs> um, and and that, that's part of it. I mean, I, I used to have a saying I said all the time about don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, it's hard not to sometimes. But you, uh, what, what Darren just said is really powerful. Um, and I hope you all, all heard that. Um, I've been very fortunate over the years to have several mentors. And the two most powerful ones to me um, one is in sports and one has absolutely zero sports DNA. And it gives me balance. Um, but I am a big proponent of over communicating with everything. Um, you can read me like a book. I say what's on my mind. Um, it's probably one of the reasons Billy and I work together really well. Um, cause we both say what's on our mind. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you, I, I just talking about something Darren just said, we, we were in, uh, Delray beach, Florida for a gig and she was doing a press conference and she got the, the one question I had prepared her for that she was going to get. And she answered it and she did, she nailed it. And there was a breath. And before the next guy could ask a question, then she said, but, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And I, and she just went on a whole rant um, that I'd wish she wouldn't have, but I had to let her go. I mean, it's her, it's, you know, 
she's Billie Jean King. She'd say whatever she wants. And it was it was powerful in the room. But we came, she came off and I, I said, you know, that's the headline tomorrow. And she says, oh, I know. And she knew exactly what she was doing. She's that in control of everything. But, you know, would I have wanted her to say it that way? Probably not. But you know what? The best thing about media today is there's usually a 24-hour cycle. And you should treat that as a gift, in my opinion, because 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't that way. They would beat a story to death trying to get something out of it. And, and I have a lot of friends in the crisis business who made great careers and still make great careers out of, you know, their, like, like I have a buddy here in Denver that, you know, he handles, has two teams here. All he does is crisis counseling. You know, maybe Darren's got somebody like that that they use a lot because sometimes we're too close, you know, and, and it's, it's like in, uh, in 2017, the, movie came out about the Battle of the Sexes match, the Emma Stone, Steve Carell movie. It's important to know when you're out of your league. I was out of my league. I'm not an entertainment publicist at that level. So we went and got one. I mean, I slept a lot better at night. But knowing that that was one of my weaknesses, I'm like raising my hand early and say, yo, it's time to bring them in. Yeah. And it's the best thing we did. You know, we got a lot of stuff that I would never have been able to get for us. Yeah. So again, you know, know yourself. I love that. The humility piece is so important too. And I know Tip and Darren, you guys have both uh, touched on that uh, and checking the ego at the door. And I think it's a daily process because especially in sports and entertainment, there's a tendency, like you said, Tip, to, to want to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, you take on a job to support the star, support the athlete. Um, you know, so I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to end with one question, maybe sort of like a rapid fire, but, and I'm going to combine a, a couple of questions and it's what is sort of the future of entertainment and sports and, uh, sort of in your guys's industry look like, and then maybe, uh, sort of biggest piece of advice you can share, um, you know, with us. And I'll, st I'll start with you, Tip, and then end with you, Darren. Um, okay. Biggest piece of advice is, is for me is, is an easier place to start. Um, we never do anything alone. Build yourself a team around you of people you trust, people you enjoy working with, um, people you want to go to war with kind of thing. That... It, if, if you try and do it on your own, it, it's, it's, a, it's a miserable thing. So my whole thing is you may have friends in this very group right here um, that may become life friends and you end up doing gigs together, something like that. Build that team around you because I don't think any one of us has all the answers. What was, that? What was the other part? I'm sorry, Jerry. Yeah, no, it's okay, Tip. The, your, answer, your answer was so good. <laughs> I love it. Um, so just maybe what does the future of your industry look like? It's I mean, up to any... you guys. Yeah. It's really up to you guys. Um, you know, I I'm a, I think there's a fine line. I, I, there's a lot of old school of me. I, I still get a printed newspaper every morning and I'm pissed off when it doesn't show up. Um, I like to touch the paper. Uh, I like that. Um, I also scour every piece of social media and listen to as many podcasts as I can, because I do think that's current right now. It helps me stay current. Um, I have to keep learning something every day. Um, so the future of this world and what it looks like is really up to you guys. It's not up to guys like me. You know, I'm, I'm in survival mode right now, but you guys can shape where this is going, um, you know, and, and what the team looks like going forward. I mean, uh, do the athletes have more power or do the owners still control the world or however that works, but um, it's really in your hands. Yeah. I love that. And then uh, thanks for sharing that tip. And then Darren, same question to you. What uh, any tips or advice you can offer 
And then uh, also to the piece of what, what, you know, what does the future of your business look like? Yeah. I mean, as, as I'm sure you guys all know, I mean, maybe it sounds like a broken record here, but like net networking is just, it's so huge. I mean, like I, I never would have guessed that like, you know, my boss at the Padres would have been the one to ultimately bring me back to the Padres after doing like four seasons in the NBA. You, you never know who that one person that you meet is going to be that one person that propels your career. And, and then you, you, you take off. So, um, and then also, I mean, like, it's, it's tough out there. Like, don't, don't be like discouraged. You have to have pay, a good combination of like patience and persistence. And, um, you know, just, but you, when you're networking and reaching out to people, like you, you want to do it the right way. And so that's like kind of sh short and sweet, especially early on. So like the, the short intro emails, asking for informational interviews instead of job interviews, um, and when, when, once you have them on, on, on the phone, like in, in your email, if you say, hey, can I get 10 to 15 minutes? And if they grant you the 10 to 15 minutes, it's kind of on you to be that person to, to be like, hey, I, it's, it's already been 10 to 15 minutes. Can I keep you for five more? And then like somebody might be like, oh, I, I have the rest of the hour. Sure. You know, and then like and then the conversation can really take off. But being respectful of people's time is like something that people are really appreciative of. Um, yeah. And then I guess just with baseball um, and the future of, of the game. Um, it's just it's impressive how MLB is really trying to grow the game and just connect the the fans to the players and to and to teams. And so like how how they're doing that is just with these national games. And then when we got into the postseason last year, so whether it be ESPN, FS1, Peacock on NBC, I mean, we 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 just got an email like right before this from we're on Sunday night baseball, like I said, against the Dodgers on 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 Sunday. And just like the the list that that, that they have, I mean it's pretty outrageous on how they're trying to connect the fans to the game. But like, we're, we're, we're the ones that, as the PR staff that actually have to execute these asks and, and these requests. And so everything from like, in, like, I mean, the, the biggest thing they're trying to do now are these in-game interviews. So like legitimately, like, like when one of our guys hits a home run on, on Sunday, like that they, they want to have Buster only in our dugout inter interviewing a guy in, in real time. And they, they want like on, on Sunday, it's kind of been cool with, with Fernando back. Um, he's kind of had this cool thing where he runs down the right field line and then addresses the fans and bows and stuff. And so they, they, they want to have an earpiece in his ear and like talking to Carl Ravitch in the, in the booth. And like, and we, we, we did it last year with Juan Soto. He did a, he did a two-way talkback interview at, I think it was at Dodger stadium. And then we did it with Manny on the first road trip this year, I believe in Atlanta. And so, but I mean, from a fan's perspective, how great is that? You're sitting there watching Sunday night baseball and you're like, you know, like you, you feel like the players in, in your living room during the game. And so like, but that's where it, our, our jobs come into play. And it's like, you, you have to like trust your like skill set and know, and know your people. It's like, okay. And then now we have to vet out the request that, that, that the, the player that they asked for, it's like, okay, like, um, is the player going to be up for it? Are the coaches going to be up for it? Does the front office want them to do it? Is, is, is it a distraction during the game to do a two-way interview? <laughs> um, and so like that, that's where we have to rely on our relationship building and know when to push and when to fall back and be like, hey, sorry, like we're not going to be able to get the player this time. Sorry, ESPN. Sorry, FS1. So whatever that may be. And then lastly, um, just with the, with the rule changes, I mean, that's just going to be a huge storyline. It is a huge storyline this year, and it's going to continue to be. So, like, with, with, with the pitch clock, I mean, games are absolutely flying by, which is good for people that work the, where, where the, people that work the games because, I mean, we're able to get home a little earlier. Um, but, like, it's, it, it's affecting broadcasters. There's not as much time in between pitches, so they, they, they can't storytell as much as they, as, as they used to. You're seeing it with, with batters. Like, you know, like, they, they like to go at their own pace and kind of make, make the pitcher adjust to them. Well, they can't do that anymore because it's, it's, it's a level playing field now where you have to like pitcher has to throw it a certain amount of time and the batter has to get in the box and be ready to go. So that's only going to continue with like potentially the automated ball strike system. And like, you know, with, with maybe robo arms um, like that, that's just going to be a huge storyline when it comes to media coverage in baseball. Yeah. No, well, I love that Darren and, and tip you, you both have been fantastic and just really truly appreciate your time. So um, so thank you again. All right, folks. Well, thanks again for listening in. This episode's been brought to you by Bet Online. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. Uh, this is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you making us number one sports law podcast in the world. Uh, this was a very special episode where we had Tip Nunn, the uh, publicist for uh, for sports icon Billie Jean King, and also Darren Feeney, who is uh, with the San Diego Padres as the 
uh, Director of Media Relations. So thanks again, folks, for listening in. and look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.